Our scripture this morning um, comes in two different sections. The first one I'll read is uh, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Many of you are very familiar with that. And then I'll get to the first part, verses 1 through 3, um, in, the, in this sermon. So our passage this morning, Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32. It says, Jesus continued. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got, uh, the son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he says, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father said to him, the, the son said to him, the father, father, I sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. Uh, when he came near the house, he heard the music, he heard the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what is going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because uh, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered the father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your, your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive, he was lost, and now he is found. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and together we say, thanks be to God. So the setup to this very familiar story is that this father, he had two sons. The story talks about the older son who is really obedient and the younger son who is very disobedient. The older brother who is responsible, the younger brother is irresponsible. The older brother is very conservative. The younger brother is more progressive, probably a little bit more liberal. The older brother grabs on to traditional values. He doesn't want to disappoint his family or his community. The younger brother, not so concerned with that. 
kind of wants to blaze his own trail. The older brother is a morally upstanding young man, but this younger brother is probably a little bit more morally deviant, the type of kid that you told your kids to stay away from in school. That's what he was doing. I think we can all agree that this famous story, the story of the prodigal son, is not incredibly well known. It's not that famous because of the story about the two sons. There's nothing impressive here. There is nothing unique about these two brothers. Jesus told this story, including these two very seemingly different sons, representing two different ways of looking, through the, looking at the world and two different ways of making your way through the world. And he told this story 2,000 years ago. But hundreds and hundreds of years before that, maybe even thousands of years before that, so many of our Old Testament stories as well are highlighting the difference between an older son with the very same connotations I had, uh, I just mentioned, and a younger son. And today, every single day in real time, we see the difference between a more conservative, traditional way of making your way through the world clashing with a more progressive way of going through the world. We see this clash 24-7 Every single day. Does anybody, am I the only one who notices this? We see this. So Jesus, talking about these two brothers and what we see as different, this is nothing extraordinary. This is nothing unique. We see it all the time. It's been talked about as long as it's the story we always hear. So far, when it's talking about the brothers, this story is completely status quo. This is par for the course. The role of the brothers isn't why we routinely go back to this story even 2,000 years later. The Bible tells us, though, that back in the day, that Jesus' teaching left people completely amazed. We're told that back in the day, Jesus, when he taught, people said, surely this man has some authority. I think it's because stories like this one even though we tend to be hyper-focused on the differences between the older and the younger brother, the more progressive brother, and the more traditional brother, and how they make their way throughout the world, in this parable that Jesus is talking, in this parable that we always return to, Jesus is shining a light on the uncomfortable truth that the older, more traditional brother and the younger, more progressive brother they actually have a lot more in common than they have differences. They're actually not that far off at all. And more than that, Jesus is actually showing us that both the younger brother and the older brother, actually at their core, they're about the same exact thing. They just go about it differently. They have different strategies. But they both try to get what they want selfishly. But the setup about the, about the brothers, about the sons, that's predictable. The younger son, he's cut off from his home. I heard a definition this week. I read this definition of home. It said, home is where you are allowed to be your most authentic self. Home is where you are able to be yourself truly. It's where you flourish. It's where you live the life that you were designed to live. Does anybody, can anybody resonate with that definition of home? That's what home is like. So the younger brother, he's cut off from his home. He's cut off from the life that the father wants from him, both geographically 
and culturally. The younger brother is a train wreck. He's a mess. We're told that he asked his father for his inheritance before his father died, which is basically saying to his father, I wish you were dead. Can I just have what's mine? That's a terrible thing to do. He turned his inheritance into cash and went to go live wildly. His inheritance was probably a lot of land, land that was irreplaceable to his family, land that was sentimental to his family. This was land that had been in his family probably for generations and generations. This was land where generation after generation of his family had been born and raised and married, and they worked that land, and they cultivated that land, and they made a living off that land. This was the land that was given to him in his early inheritance, the land which people in his family tend to grow old, and where they died, and where they were buried. To just sell that land off, it's a terrible thing to do. The younger brother, he just sells his portion, and he takes the money, and he goes, and he does what we call in our family to go make a series of bummer choices. That's what we say to our kids, bummer choices. Yes, he squanders his inheritance. He squanders his wealth on wild living. However, there's more to the story. Jesus is very clear that adding to this younger son's terrible dealing with his inheritance and terrible dealing with his father, not only that, the world has also not been kind to him. We're told that when he's off rebelling against his father, there was a famine in the land and it affected the entire country. He was a victim of that. Jesus made sure to for that people understood that when he was in need, nobody, nobody extended to him hospitality. Jesus adds, no one gave him anything. So this younger brother, he's a wreck. He's lost. He's as lost as you can get. He rejects his home, the place where he could be the best version of himself and be close to his father because he turned his back on his father and his family and everything they were about. How many of you know somebody like that? No, I'm just kidding. But the older son, he's also disconnected from his home. He's also disconnected from his best life. He's, he's disconnected from the life that his father wants him to live. He's disconnected, he's lost. The older brother, he's not lost geographically. He's not lost culturally. He's actually in the same exact place with the same exact people of the family he was born into. But he's still lost. Unlike the younger brother, he hasn't made bummer choices. He's actually been really responsible. He's been incredibly obedient. He's dutiful. He obeys all the rules. And unlike the older brother, the world has not been unkind to him. The world has been incredibly kind. His father makes clear that while you're here, everything I have is yours, but he's still lost. The older brother is also disconnected from his home, not because he rebelliously and publicly turns his back on his father and everything his family is about. He's disconnected from his home and his father because he treats his father as a tool or as a crutch. He treats his father as someone or something that can be manipulated in order to get what he actually wants as well. Have you ever heard someone say, 
when you're describing them that you participated in a church or when you're talking to them about your faith, they say, oh, that's great. Your church attendance, your faith, it's just a crutch. It's just something to help you make, make yourself feel better. Has anybody ever said that to you? Someone said that to me. I think Jesus, after telling this parable, would be like, yeah, for some people, that's absolutely true. That's older brother mentality. So both brothers, they reject their home, they reject their father, although they do it differently. But at the end of the day, both the older and the younger son, they're trying to get what they want from their father. The only way thing that's different is their strategy. They go about it different. The older brother, make no mistake, is every bit as lost as the younger. Look at his actions. He rejects coming home to the place where he can be his best version because he doesn't enter into the party. He doesn't enter into the celebration at the request of his father. Not only does he not want to go in, but it's very, it's very clear that his father's celebration, his father acting out of the core of who he is, actually makes him angry. And he won't go into the celebration. But even more than understanding how lost the older brother is, listen to his words. He says to his father, look, after all these years, you know how they often say time flies when you're having fun? The older brother is not having fun. He is counting. He is keeping track. He's, he's counting the years. He's keeping score. He's figuring that he's now putting in his time. He says, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. He's talking to his dad. And he says, I've been slaving for you. Slaves are property. If your son says to you, I've been slaving for you, that's suggesting that you've been treating him like property since he was a child. It's a terrible thing to say. I've never disobeyed your orders. Dads, moms, do you feel like you give your kids orders? Or do you give them instruction? Do you try to help them along? Do you try to mature them? I mean, sometimes we might give orders, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and in case you didn't think there was a lot of similarities between the younger and the older brother, listen to this. He says, I've been slaving away and obeying your orders all these years, yet you never gave me a young goat. And why did he want the young goat? So I could celebrate with my friends. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? What did the younger brother do with his inheritance? He went and squandered his money. How? He went and celebrated and partied with his friends. What is it that the older brother specifically tells his father he wants to do when he gets his? He wants to go celebrate with his friends as well, separate from the father as well. The exact same thing. They're about the same thing. They just differ on strategy. He's just trying to get his way just like the younger brother. So here's the thing. Both sons, older son, younger son, obedient, disobedient, conservative, progressive, traditional, whatever. There are differences, yes, absolutely, in strategy. But Jesus is pointing out what others miss. That at the very, very core, they have way more in common. They are just as rebellious as one another. They both reject their home. They both want to celebrate with their friends apart from their father. How many times have we seen this play out? The older brother types, the law and order types, 
when you scratch just a little bit below the surface, what do you see? Same stuff as the younger brother types. None of that is extraordinary. None of that is unique. We've seen this before. What's unique about this is the father. Because the father in this story, unlike fathers in other stories that have been told before this, the father isn't surprised, the father isn't phased at the disobedience and the rebelliousness of the younger brother at all. This father isn't fooled. He's not surprised by the manipulation and the intent of the older brother either. It turns out that this father, unlike other fathers, he's not keeping score at all. He's not comparing one against the other. That is extraordinary. That is different. That is something to be talking about 2,000 years after this story is told. The father is actually pretty basic. He just wants his sons to be home. He wants his sons to experience the life that he designed for them, and he wants to be known and enjoyed. The story is about the father. A couple hundred years ago, some people got together to try to put some language to this mysterious Christian faith, and one of the first questions they asked is, what is the chief end of man? It's to know and to glorify and enjoy God forever. This father, he just wants to be known and enjoyed and glorified. And we find out what his motivation is. The context from this story actually comes from three verses at the beginning of this chapter. It says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners um, were all gathering around to hear, uh, to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they mutter, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And so then Jesus, he tells these two parables. The first parable is about a lost sheep that a shepherd went out to find. And when, he found it, when the shepherd found this, um, this sheep, he celebrated, celebrated big. And Jesus says this, he says, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Or there's more rejoicing in heaven, think about it this way, when one finally comes home, the 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. And then there's a story about a woman and she has some coins and one of them is lost. And the one coin's lost and she searches like crazy all over until she finds it and there's celebration. And Jesus says there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. There is rejoicing in the heavens when someone finally comes home. Jesus had to tell these stories because the religious people, the traditional people, the older brother types at the time were critical of Jesus because he was wanting the best for the younger brother types as well. These stories had to be told because the religious people were critical of Jesus bringing good news and support to people who sinned differently than the religious people did at the time. Jesus had to tell these stories because religious people were critical of Jesus extending a better way to live who were living lives that were hurting themselves and others. And so the father in this story is just like the shepherd finding the sheep. The father in this story is just like the woman searching for the coin. The father is in the business of finding people and bringing them home, finding the lost. That's what he wants for both of his sons. The father wants to bring his sons home. He wants his sons home so bad that when there is just the smallest window of opportunity for his younger son to be found, when he sees him far off in the distance, 
with no strings attached, he books it. He's gone. He's running as fast as he can, pulling up a robe, running. People in the ancient Near East, in the, in the, Middle, uh, ancient, in the Middle East, they say nobody does that in the ancient world. You don't lift your robe and go run after a younger son. That's what Jesus says God is like. When he sees him in a distance, he goes after him. His younger son is found. He's alive. He was lost. Now he's found. He's home, and they celebrate, and they celebrate big time, just like the shepherd finding the sheep, just like the woman finding the coin. And this, the son being found, the son coming home, the son now invited to live his best life again, that's the goal. That's the prize. That is the end game. This welcome, this grace shook everybody. But remember, the older brother is lost too. Maybe not as noticeable to the casual observer, but he's lost. And while the older brother, it says, became so angry at his father's celebration, this act of love and grace, that the older brother refuses to go in. But remember, this father is all about finding what is lost. His older son is also lost. And so this father goes out of the party that he was the host to in order to go plead with his son. Fathers didn't plead with their sons back then. He says, my son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother, this brother of yours, was dead and is, and is now alive. He was lost and now he's found. The father, again, saw a window of opportunity to go plead with his son and he took it. The father simply wants to be appreciated simply wants to be glorified and enjoyed. The purpose of the story is to, number one, identify with the sons, and then also to become more like the father. Identifying with the brothers, are you more of the younger brother type? I actually know some of you out there that are more of the younger brother type, and some of you are pretty proud of it. Some of you are okay to claim good trouble. I love that. Are you more of the older brother type? I know some of you are, and I love that too. But here's the deal. We're all lost. One no more lost than the other. And God is looking for every single opportunity to welcome us home. Are you home yet? And not only that, once we're home, the goal is actually to try to be like the Father, Maybe be people who aren't surprised or fazed by the disobedience and the rebellion of the people around us. People who aren't fooled by the manipulation and the intent of more older brother types. The type of people who understand that everybody is lost, that we're not keeping score, we're not comparing people to other people, but we're seeking the lost and we're celebrating big when the lost are found and the lost come home. That's the end goal. And so may we realize, all of us, that we're lost. And we are all being invited to come home. May we all be brought home. And may we be like those who invite people back home and celebrate significantly when they make their way home. May that be true in, in, of all of us. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.